Welcome to The Power of Stories, a podcast by women, about women, and for women. Their voices and their stories. I am Sharon Catherine D'Agostino, a passionate advocate for the empowerment of women and girls everywhere and the founder of SayItForward.org. And I'm Yodit Kifle-Smith, a creative dedicated to making sure the voices and stories of women are heard. I have the privilege of working with Sharon on SayItForward.org to do just that. In this podcast, you will meet courageous women from around the world whose unique path to empowerment will leave you encouraged and inspired. Today, we are excited to talk with Asfia Reman, who joins us from her home in India. Asfia is a writer who has written three novels and numerous articles. Thank you so much for joining us today, Asfia. Thank you so much, Yodit. It's a pleasure to be here. Asfia, we are so happy to actually be talking with you today and to have you share some of your stories with us. I'm wondering when in your life you began writing. I started writing as an adult later on. I wrote for like college magazines. I think I took up writing as a career much later when I had to take a break from my career in teaching. Uh, When my daughter was born, I took a break. And during my free time, I just kind of rediscovered my love of writing and I got an opportunity to kind of get back to it. And honestly, I haven't looked back since. I haven't really gone back to teaching full-time. I'm just uh, doing my writing, which I'm really enjoying. And you've won awards for your writing. I have, yes. It's really fulfilling to think that something you wanted to do as a kid, you have actually been able to achieve it. I remember I read a wonderful book called The Last Lecture, where the author, I can't remember his name, but he talks about the fact that in your life, Your desire as a child is your most pure desire because it isn't affected by what society expects from you or your education or your desire to match someone. It's just what you want. And if you live your life where you make decisions based on what you really want, somehow or the other, you're going to be able to achieve that dream in some way. It may not be exactly the way you thought as a child. I mean, if you wanted to be a pirate, you're not going to hopefully grow up to be a pirate, but you might end up doing something in the maritime trade, which really still, you know... (laughs) Touches that adventurous spirit. You said that you wanted to be a writer. What was the type of support that you had um, to help you achieve that? Asian parents normally see only two or three professions. Uh, There's medicine, there's engineering, (laughs) and then you can go into, you know, like government. So my parents encouraged us to read and uh, we read like crazy. But writing was never seen as a serious career. And I have uh, two sisters, both of them are doctors. So it was kind of understood that this is where you go. This is where you fit in. You're supposed to be a doctor too. I guess I'm really lucky in the sense that despite everything, my parents have been very supportive. I mean, I have made many career decisions, which are not what traditionally you're supposed to do. But my parents have always supported me once they know that this is not just like a passing fad. And if you're really interested in it, then sure, go for it. How do you balance the feeling of wanting to belong in your family and doing what you need to do and what you want to do for you? Throughout my schooling, I mean, it was understood that I would go on to study medicine, I would study science. And um, I remember I was in class nine when I took up a subject economics. And I just fell in love with that subject. 
after 10th in India, we have to choose which subjects we're going to continue with. If you want to study medicine, you have to continue with science subjects. And I decided I would take up commerce. And this literally came out of the blue for my parents. They had no idea. And to be very honest, I think it was something which even I hadn't consciously decided. At that point of time, there were only two kinds of students who took commerce in India. One was those who came from business families. I don't belong to a business family. And the other were those who did not get good enough marks to get into science. But I have to give my parents full credit for the fact that they listened to me. They didn't try to force me into science at all. Their only thing was that you must explain to us why you want this. Why out of the blue do you then want to study something where we can't see any future for you as a career? You know, my parents were very keen that, uh, especially my father, he was very keen that all three of my daughters have to have a career. They have to be independent, you know, and it has to be a career where you don't need someone else. So my father was very keen and he was like, if you do take up economics, what exactly is your career going to be? Where is this headed? My parents kind of forced me to sit down and actually think about it. Their thing was, if you want to do this, you have to tell us where you're going with it. And in that sense, it helped me understand that I have to have uh, maybe a career path in mind. So it was easy for me also to fit in because once I explained to my parents, they backed me completely. So in that sense, that sense of belonging did not have to conflict too much with my desire to do something else because my parents are very open-minded, but they are still traditional. You know, it's it's a balance and mm-hmm. you have to work that out. How old would you have been when you were in class nine? I was about 12, 13. Oh, so you were yeah. that's young to decide yeah. commerce is the way I'm going. <laughs> I mean, I, I really honestly, I don't think my parents did anything wrong. I do understand why they were very anxious about the choices I had made. Sure. But I love the fact that they did not try to in any way force me. Mm-hmm. It was always if you want to do this, you have to show that you know where this is leading to. You know, you can't afford to just take this up and then two years later be like, yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do with this. If you're going into this, understand what you're signing up for. And so at what point did you go into it and then decide, I want to go back uh, to my first love, (laughs) writing? I joined the commerce stream in 11th and uh, I studied two years in that. I did graduation in commerce and then I did uh, MBA. And uh, after that, I uh, appeared for a series of entrance exams, and I somehow ended up teaching. So I taught for a few years. I used to teach subjects uh, related to management, and I really enjoyed that. Teaching is something I, I really love. It's after my daughter was born that I had to take like a break from my career. It was very difficult to manage a full-time teaching job because I wasn't teaching in a school where the timings are a little limited. This was like a proper nine-to-five job. I wasn't very comfortable leaving my daughter in a daycare with the kind of options we had where I live. So I took a break. It was supposed to be for like maybe two years or three years to when she goes to school. But like I said, during that break, I started uh, writing and I was lucky. I got like a part-time job in a magazine. They uh, said they would pay me for articles that I wrote for them. And then it just became easy, you know, Mm -hmm. because one thing leads to another. And I really enjoyed doing that. To a certain extent, maybe I got lazy also because it was just so comfortable. You are sitting at home and you're writing. I wasn't making a great amount of money, but you're making some amount of money. You're doing something you love and it's just easy and convenient. You don't have to travel. 
So I took maybe a slightly easier option. I could have gone back to full-time teaching, but I chose not to. And it has just grown from there. I feel I have really made the right decision to take up writing full-time. When I hear you say that you are able to pick up that first love, like during a time where, yeah, you really feel like, I mean, it's really difficult (laughs) when you're a new mom because you don't know anything. And sometimes, you know, there is unknowingly people put pressure on you because they'll be like, oh, aren't you doing this? Or isn't your Mm -hmm. baby following this routine? And Mm -hmm. you feel a lot of the time, like, I didn't know my baby was supposed to be following this routine. I'm just (laughs) trying to, you know, make sure everything is working out. And everyone has their own journey. You know, each baby is different. Uh, Each mother goes through a different journey. And Maybe people are trying to help you, but sometimes, you know, just the questioning and all, it it makes you feel even more uh, underconfident. Yeah. What advice do you have for our listeners who are at some point in their life where they're not really sure they're doing what's best and lots of other people have points of view about what they should be doing? One thing I have seen in the younger generation, and I think this is such a very good thing, you know, girls like who are younger than me, like those who are in their 20s or uh, early 30s, new moms, I see a lot of people who are willing to ask for help. And somehow I think that is one thing which people in my generation, we saw asking for help as a weakness. So I think it's also if you want to help someone or if you need help to be able to articulate You know, like if you're a new mom to be able to say that this is something I'm struggling with and maybe can you help me out in this? Could you give me advice? And when you're helping someone to ask them that, would you like some help? Would you like some advice? Instead of just saying that, oh, you know, I can help you do this because maybe I don't want to do it your way. Words make a huge difference. The words you choose to offer your advice, there is nothing wrong in asking for help. Mm -hmm. And I feel that the younger generation is in some ways, much better sorted. They don't feel guilty about saying, okay, this thing is difficult for me. So can you help me out in this? But this, I'm I'm pretty sure I can manage it myself. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a really good thing. And I can imagine that you still get pulled in many directions because you still have many responsibilities. What do you do to take care of you? I have started being mindful of the fact that I do need to take out time for myself. It may not be every day, but there is some time in a week which I need to be like just by myself doing something which I like. And it doesn't have to be something which is necessarily uh, intellectual or enriching me. It just has to be something which makes me feel good about myself. Because a lot of the time we feel that if I'm taking out time, It should be something which is uplifting or I should be reading a good book. No, I mean, if I want to, I will read a trashy romance just to make myself feel good. (laughs) I will maybe just go out and have uh, a lunch with a friend. But whatever it is, something every week which makes me feel good and which is just about me, just doing whatever I want to do. Mm -hmm. And I don't have to justify it to anyone. It might be just going to sleep for an extra hour. If that makes me feel good, then fine. I have to do that. When you start giving yourself importance, other people realize, okay, this is important. So initially, I used to feel, you know, if I take out time, you know, how's everyone else going to manage it? But I realized when I take out time, my family understands, okay, this is important for you. Fine, we'll adjust, we'll work around it. And I think one thing that happens with a lot of women is we just don't give ourselves importance. 
we feel our other roles are more important, you know, that let me get this done as a mother, let me do this. And then if I have time for myself, maybe I will do this. Mm-hmm. And when you don't give importance to yourself, the other people in your family are not going to give importance to you also because they can't understand what you are not articulating. So when you start putting some time for yourself, you know, just saying that you don't even have to say it. When you make it a routine, everyone else falls in line. When did you become the confident woman that you are? Gosh, I mean, when you say that, it makes me sound and feel more confident than I do. I think (laughs) I still struggle sometimes. When I hit my 40s, it was like I really felt a change in myself. And you kind of realize that I have spent enough time worrying about the smaller things in life. At a certain age, you get caught up in the nitty gritties of life, you know. And I think that has also to do uh, with age. When you are young, you have kids, you have responsibilities. You don't get the time to sit and really think. You're just kind of running from day to day. But you have to realize at some point of time in life that you can't be a bystander in your own life. And you have to start living your own life. I think that was something which I realized late in my 30s. And I made changes accordingly. And like I said, after I hit 40, I realized that, you know, there are certain things which only I can do for myself. And when I start doing them for myself, a lot of things change. You know, it it gives you more confidence. It gives you more joy also. And that is so important. You know, and it could be whatever you think is important. It doesn't have to be a career. If spending time with your children is what gives you joy and what is important for you, then please do that. I see a lot of people who sometimes say, you know, oh, like housewives can't be very fulfilled or whatever. It is your choice. And I think that's the most important thing that a person should be able to choose what they want to do with their life, regardless of whatever else society expects you to do. So if you want to take a break from your career, take it. If you want to continue working, you know, then you should do that. But you shouldn't do it because you are being forced to by anyone else. I mean, of course, circumstances may force you to make certain decisions which you can't control. So that's a completely different thing. Mm -hmm. But to whatever extent possible, you have to start, you know, taking command of your own life. I see the way in which your journey has led you to a place where you're more confident with your own voice and more confident with the narrative and the story that you're telling yourself. How can we all encourage other women and girls to confidently use their voice and claim their power? I think two things are really important. One is education. Education gives you choices and it helps you discover so many things. It gives you a sense of confidence. And the other thing, it is the power of listening. When you listen to people, you give them the confidence to speak. And in many cases, Mm -hmm. you are validating them, especially, you know, girls and women who come from a sociocultural background where men are more important. By just listening to them, you empower them. You know, you you tell them that it is worth listening to what you say. Mm -hmm. So I think when you listen to people, you help empower them. And that is one of the easiest things to do because it doesn't take time or money, but just to listen when someone is speaking, it helps them articulate their thoughts well, and it gives them a lot of confidence. And I think that really, really makes a difference. Mm, Thank you. Yeah, I love 
the power of listening. That's something that Sharon and I talk about often. And that's something that I know Sharon has helped me understand a lot more because she is an incredible listener. (laughs) And so she's definitely empowered me to use my voice. So thank you so much, Asfia, for just this time of sharing your incredible story and the amount of just wisdom that you've been able to get during your lifetime that has, I'm sure will inspire so many of our listeners. So thank you to our listeners for choosing to listen to this episode of the Power of Stories podcast. It's been wonderful listening to you and to hearing the many, many interesting ways that you have navigated your life and your career. I always thank you, Yodit, for the honor of working with you on sayitforward.org. And thank you for being my really good friend. I also send out thanks to Lisa DeJavine, who is the co-producer and editor of the Power Stories podcast. Svia, is there something you'd like to leave with our listeners before we sign off? I just like to end with saying that everyone should try and feel more confident about themselves and share their experiences because you never know how your experiences can help others. You know, we all feel that there is nothing special about our lives, but just by sharing your experience, you could be making a world of difference to someone. And to our listeners, we invite you to visit sayitforward.org, a place where you are welcome to share one or more stories about your unique path to empowerment, or you can read the stories of other women and girls. This is Sharon Catherine D'Agostino and Yodit Kifle-Smith signing off for now and hoping you'll join us for our next episode of the Power of Stories podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we do hope you'll give us a review and recommend the Power of Stories to a friend. And lastly, we want to remind you of the power of your story.